0: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat Rich and I talk about, I mean, what else are we going to talk about? We dive into the ongoing, never-ending Ben Simmons saga. Who's going to win the stare down between Rich Paul and Daryl Morey? Whether the Sixers still have any kind of leverage in Ben Simmons' trade negotiations? Whether Ben Simmons will report to training camp? And what the Sixers should be looking for in a trade package in return? If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to the athletic.com/sixersbeat. We can get a 50% discount on a yearly subscription to read Rich and my written work. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman, the well-rested Rich Hoffman on the Sixers beat a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Welcome back.
1: I'm great, man. It's uh you know, it hasn't been a long off season. I feel like we have basketball coming up, but at least I got a few weeks of vacation. Nothing happened during that time,
0: right? No, nothing nothing at all happened. Um yeah, no, it is a, a shorter off season, shortened by about a month. We'll be back on a normal schedule after the season, so that will be nice. But uh, yeah, no, not just your typical late August, early September uh, dead period of the... No, that's not what happened. You know, I guess real quick, it's been a little bit since we did one of these podcasts. Obviously, the Ben Simmons news has come in since that happened. You know, I did want to mention one thing real quick. Uh, I am taking part in the Bark in the Park 5K for the Providence Animal Shelter. If that sounds familiar, it's the one that um, Spike Eskin does every year. And yes, there is a reason for that. So I guess real quick, if you could donate... Uh, go to bit.ly slash Derek Hates Running, all lowercase. Goes to a good cause, and that is a primary reason I'm taking part in that. There's a little bit in that, you know, we're losing, uh, the basically the group that I play basketball with, we're losing our, we haven't had indoor basketball since COVID, so as the weather gets worse, we're going to lose our outdoor, so this maybe will replace some of that cardio I get, but there's also a small part, and look, the main reason I'm doing this is to raise money for a good cause uh, for the province animal cells. There's a small part where maybe if I take part on Spike's home turf and what Spike is comfortable doing, and look, I know Spike has physical ailments that make playing basketball tough, but if I enter his comfort zone, maybe somebody on that podcast will have the courage to pick up a basketball. There's a small part that hopes that somebody on that podcast will just take a jumper. That's all I'm saying. That's all. So go donate. Uh, take part in that. Uh, sponsor me because, look, Spike's going to whoop my ass in running. I hate running. I've never been a good distance runner. Ugh, I've never enjoyed so distance running. I get bored, so I don't train for it. I've never been good at it. I'm going to get crushed by Spike. I know this going in. But like I said, hopefully maybe one of them will have the courage to pick up the basketball and just fulfill the challenge that they made all those months ago. So go bit.ly slash derek hates running all lowercase.
1: Wow. All right. Well, I didn't know you were, you were in on that, that, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm going to do that. So like I said, there's a part of me that, um, you know, I've, I've been trying to be a lot more active. My cardio has pretty much been two, two days a week playing basketball, two days a week biking. I'm going to lose basketball. So my hope is that maybe I can get sort of like, like I said, I've always hated distance running, maybe forcing myself to compete in this by the time winter comes around, I'll actually enjoy it. And I can do that through the, the winter and, and, and keep, uh, you know, not put on the pounds over the the winter because I'll tell you what, Rich, I went to Vegas and then I did the drive back and somehow I gained seven pounds in two weeks. And I say somehow, like it's a mystery. I look, I recently did my, um, you know, my expense report for that trip. I know very damn well how I gained seven pounds in two weeks, but I would like to keep the the, uh, <laughs> the weight that I've lost off over the winter and maybe distance running. If I can somehow get into it will help me do that. Mostly
1: it's for the, the puppies. There also is something about the Sixers Twitter or Sixers online sphere where it's, it's the intersection of cyber bullying and charity. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, those things yep. don't usually come together, <laughs> but I, I think, look, if, if the Ricky was going to have one of those, uh, they have a lot of things on their legacy that, that is bringing those two things together. It seems like they do that better than anybody. They, they, they the both year. raise
0: money well and they cyberbully Well, yep, for yeah. sure.
1: Seems like a great cause. though.
0: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so the the news that you were referring to at the beginning of this podcast, obviously the Ben Simmons news um, that he wants to be traded and that he will not report to camp. Uh, So that came out. uh, Keith Pompey broke the news. Uh, That came out after a uh, meeting that Simmons and Rich Paul had with Sixers management, Josh Harris, uh, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers. Elton Brand, yada, 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 the, the big wigs with the Sixers. I guess so. I've written about this. I've discussed it on Twitter. Uh, you were off having your wonderful vacation, which I'm jealous of, even though I just had a vacation like three weeks ago. But you haven't had a chance to really dive into it. So what are your overall thoughts? Where's your mind at with the Ben Simmons news?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, this is a uh, it's a pretty big story, I would say, during this non- news time in in nba basketball like th- this is i've noticed you know my my phone still works on vacation so the the basketball podcasts and twitter still pop up on uh on my phone i i looked at it a few times too tried not to pay too much attention they really need like a vacation
0: mode for phones like you have an airplane mode a vacation mode so like not everything comes through like fewer
1: notifications but that's all People have been talking about, and you know, I, I get it. It's the it's the biggest story in uh, in basketball right now. So, okay, so I, I did a little bit of prep for this podcast. Whoa, I, I think, whoa, yeah. This is uh hopefully nobody was driving while I said that. You know, if a, if a long time listener heard that, they'd probably drive off the road. Maybe you know the, the older ones. I hope he didn't faint. You know, I should have probably given us a little bit of a, a warning on that. That's okay. Uh But I have. Done a little bit of prep. And I I have five questions for the both of us here as we reset this thing. Okay. Um, And I will go first with the first question because you were looking for my general thoughts. And that is is basically the the overview of this. And the first question is just, are you surprised that we're in this situation? And I'll go first on this one. I'm not that surprised. It's why we said the podcast right after the season ended there is a chance he's back here as weird as that sounds as weird as that feels. It's why we said at at around the time of the draft, when no trade was made that we were a little bit surprised that Ben Simmons and his super agent were playing nice and kind of going with the Sixers on this because that is not their MO that changed in pretty short order. So, so no, that, uh, that is not surprising. Um, and, and, yeah, I think, you know, when, when you looked at this situation, Ben Simmons is a tricky player to value, and, and this is where we are. I, I guess my, my biggest thing on this is, like, this has to be a massive ego hit to uh, to Ben Simmons. You yeah. know, I, I don't know what number player we're settling on. Is he a top 30 player in the league? I've seen that, and I think when you look at – I think Seth now did some recent rankings for us at the Athletic. He still had him in that area – You know, you just look at his all-star selection, that's top 24, give or take a few, all-NBA, top 15, give or take a few. He's not being valued close to that right now. And that's kind of my biggest takeaway here. You know, when the Kings are like, now forget about the Aaron Fox, who also makes a ton of money. No, no, forget about that. You can't even get Tyrese Halliburton. Now, whether or not that's ultimately going to be true, we'll see. But. Now that that's like kind of the posturing we're seeing, and that's the posturing around the NBA. I mean, this is the guy we have heard for his entire career. Imagine what would happen if you surrounded Ben with shooting. Imagine what happens if you took him away from Joel and the paint was unclogged. Well, now he's available for anyone who will step up to the plate. And I feel like if there was even one team who was still pretty gung-ho on that idea, on the idea of surrounding him with spacing and making things great, this thing would be done by now.
0: Maybe, uh, you know, so certainly I think the surround him with shooting and things become easy for him. I think that narrative is, is pretty much gone because when you can take yourself out of a playoff series away, he did, that wasn't spacing that took him out of that playoff series. That was confidence. And he's never going to be an elite scorer even with perfect spacing. He just doesn't have, first of all, when you can play off of somebody as much as you can play off of Ben, it makes it easier to defend. And he just doesn't have that scoring instinct, that scoring mentality, that scoring confidence to really be, to really ramp up his playoff usage almost irrespective of the team around him. Um, so I think there's some concern about that, regardless of the team he's on. You know, but I think there's also a lot of teams, and I agree with you, I think that this is not surprising at all. I think once Daryl got past uh, you know, the Beginning parts of free agency that, you know, Rich Paul making this maneuver was almost guaranteed. You know, I think they gave him that early. And like one of the things, I think a lot of people are looking at it like this trade request is new information. It's not. The Sixers have known about this well before it became public. The new part is a reporting the camp part, but the Sixers have known about this and been operating with this information for a while now. I think Rich Paul and Ben Simmons wanted to give Daryl a little bit of time to. Get through the draft, get through free agency before they applied a little pressure. Once Daryl got through free agency and hadn't traded him, I think this was pretty much guaranteed to happen. So, you know, I think there's that. And I think teams realize this. And because of that, there's first of all, there's like pervasive optimism at this time of year where the Kings are like, hey, we might go, we might start off every year 20 and 30, but this year is gonna be different. Uh, and I think every team sort of starts the season off like that and yeah, maybe the Kings have missed the playoffs. I don't even know what is it like 14 out of 15 years or something absurd like that, but they really think this is going to be the year and you just can't no, they, lose.
1: They have missed the playoffs every year. Is it, is it 15 it's, out of it's 15? Not, it's not that they've made it one year. <laughs> they miss it every year.
0: I, I, I thought there was one that doesn't matter, but there's a pervasive optimism in there. And I think teams haven't come to grips with what they actually have. Um, so I think there's a little bit to that, but I think there's a lot to, you know, leverage. And I think a lot of teams look at the Sixers and say, well, that's unsustainable. That's untenable. That's going to blow up. Daryl has to make a move. Why would I offer anything close to what I'm willing to offer right now? Which is a big reason why I think you have to try to get Ben back on board, not on board long term, but on board long enough to get you to December, get you to trade deadline, because then teams will be a little more realistic, maybe think they don't have quite as much leverage as they currently do. And not that you'll ever get Ben's value back, but you might get closer to it. Because right now, you're, I think teams just feel like, why should I offer what I'm like the most I'm willing to offer when I think the six are going to have to settle. And I think teams are waiting to see what happens at the beginning of training camp, waiting yeah, to see. But,
1: th- yeah. But if he was a really, really good player, teams Oh no, would just jump in on that. If they, if they viewed him at a certain level, they they wouldn't care about
0: it. It's that a common so I think it's a combination of both. You're right. If okay, he was an Anthony enough. Davis level player, the leverage becomes less important. But when you're a it's f- just getting that player is what's important. right. And he
1: is below whatever He's, that
0: level is. Certainly. And when you're uh, not well only below. caliber of player, that Ben is, but also a divisive player and you really have to build your team around him kind of player, um, then I think leverage becomes much. Because I don't think there's anyone who's going to look at Ben and go, well, if I just get him, I'm on the path to a championship. I don't think that's the way the league views him. But I think there's a lot of teams that would say like, okay, well, he's interesting. And maybe in our system, he can be better. And under our coaches, he can be better. But you don't you don't trade, you know, you're not willing to give up everything you can to get that kind of player. And because of that leverage becomes a much bigger
1: factor. And it's, it's telling that from what we can tell, we don't know the offers that every single team is giving to the Sixers. Uh, The team that's super interested in him is Minnesota. And part of the reason they're super interested in him is because they're the team that really doesn't have anything good to offer. So it's like, why not be aggressive at this point? Uh, So, yeah, I mean, when Simmons, when he says something along the lines, to the Sixers of or if this is Rich Paul saying this whatever it's not his job to raise his trade value I I understand that somewhat I think that's what I mean oh yeah you're you're not nodding cuz the I thought I thought you were shaking your head at the at Ben oh, saying no no no, no, no yeah, yeah yeah no it was the cat uh, going behind you no I I understand that somewhat that's I I don't know if Ben has the leverage we're going to get to that in a little bit just because of the years but if if you're going to try to make things uncomfortable from the agency standpoint, from Ben's standpoint, if you want out, that is the tactic you would use, and it's been on the table the whole time, and we that was something we have mentioned in previous pods. Uh, he knows the Sixers don't want him long term, and it's it's natural to kind of give them an "f you" attitude. But yeah, I I just I think my biggest takeaway here is that the league is not even close to treating Ben. Like the all-star that he is, like the all-NBA player that he is, like the player who three out of the four years of his career, he's been the second best player on a top three seed in the, uh, I guess not the the Jimmy year, but whatever. They were they were still going to get there anyway. Uh, they, none of that stuff matters. They don't matter even a little bit right now. And it's just kind of a a league-wide cooling on Ben Simmons. Yeah, let me because ask, I let mean, me pe-
0: ask, you know, I, th- I think that Jimmy's an interesting comparison because Jimmy you know especially back in the you know when he was coming off of his Minnesota stint you know he wasn't viewed as a get jimmy and your contender kind of player he was a very good player an all-star player maybe a second best player on a team he was viewed in that regard but i don't think people looked at him and said look we got to do whatever we can to get him because if we get him we're instantly a contender and because of that and because of the circumstances around him um you know between how he was getting off of Minnesota and 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 you know, an expiring contract, those circumstances greatly impacted his trade value. Well, Ben's circumstances are different. You know, he's got four years on his contract. That's not lowering his trade value. But because of, A, how he's getting off of uh, the Sixers, and B, how unique of a fit he is, and C, he's not viewed as a get him and your contender kind of guy, I think then leverage does impact pretty substantially his his value. But also, I just think that there is a, you know, I think that certainly league-wide, you're, he's less in demand than he was nine months ago. I think the playoff run is hard to deny it. That had a pretty significant impact on his trade value, at least right now. And there's just, I think most people acquiring him, I I think he is much more interesting to a team like Minnesota who needs their floor raised. Uh, because I think there's a lot of people who say, well, maybe in our circumstance or in our environment, he can be better in the playoffs, maybe surrounded by more shooting and without a post player, he can be better in the playoffs maybe he can help us get to that you know finals run but we don't know that and he's got enough talent that we'll take a chance on it but if we're going to take a chance on it we're not going to give you our best offer especially when you don't have the leverage to command it i think acquiring ben for what teams would be willing to offer as their best offer would be seen as a huge risk for them and because of that i think leverage becomes a pretty significant part of that equation so i think i think that's i think it's a combination of both the league cooling on him and the six was just
1: having no real leverage. Yeah. So, so what did you make? This is one of the many byproducts of that uh, that trade demand. But I'm just thinking about it right now. That was an interesting morning on social media. What What did you think of Joel Embiid, master of Twitter, the social media goat? I would say, having a borderline meltdown. I would say about
0: uh, the media and and, and yeah. Well, I think a lot of that came from there was a report from USA Today that the Embiid-Simmons relationship had become untenable. Uh, that one of them had to go, the six had to decide one or the other. And look, I don't have any reporting to say that that is true. I don't I haven't gotten a sense that that is where we're at. But I think Joel, if, A, if it's not true, if Joel and, and Ben are fine, at least on a personal level, he would want that out there. But even if it is true... Joel reading the room wouldn't want people to think, hey, I'm the reason Ben's gone. Because I don't think Joel is the reason Ben's gone. Um, So I think he would want to push back against that. I think because of that he got caught up in a whole, you know, media this, media that. I think he was largely responding to that one report. Uh, And I think he, you know, I understand why he would have responded to, because quite frankly, I think the Sixers are moving off of Ben for basketball reasons. And regardless of whether Joel Embiid feels like, you know, and I think Ben and Joel, the sense I always get is Ben and Joel are fine on a personal level. I think Joel wants to win a championship and maybe he is at times has doubts whether or not Ben is a running mate to do that. So if six are doing it for basketball reasons, I think Joel very much doesn't want to be seen as a guy who ran his co-star out of town.
1: So what is clear to me? And that, that was well put because we don't know where their situation is. Personally this off season. I, I think there has been a lot of reporting along the lines that Ben is not answering you know, I'm his sure. messages, but that isn't it's, necessarily a reflection on Joe as much as maybe the organization and Joe.
0: Right. And if, if, if Ben the, did make that request back earlier in the summer, Joe, I think Ben right now is letting his agent, Rich Paul, or his agency at least, handle all the communications, which quite frankly I get.
1: It's an awkward situation for Ben. But but there were some points in there that I think were, were right, because I, I agree with you. I think over their careers, though, there has been a lot of Noise about do they get along? Blah blah blah. I I got to be honest. I think that's overblown. I, yeah. I think, and I think that the key point you made is they are moving on from Ben or trying to move on from Ben because of basketball reasons. Yeah. And I and when it comes to Joel, it's clear that the one thing that is is clear. He is especially sensitive to the idea that there is some major personality conflict. That these are two massive egos butting heads in the locker room, vying for control of the city or whatever the hell that means. Because I don't think that is what happened over the past no. two or so years. Now, Simmons might have cut off communication with him now or whatever. Maybe he didn't like the the honesty. But it, it's like you said, too, where Joel wants to win a championship. But in a lot of ways, he's like everyone here. He's like us. Yeah. He's like everybody A little bit of honesty with Ben Simmons is is not the right thing here, and that so my or it's not the thing that's gonna gonna help things uh, from from Simmons' standpoint. So so my reaction to their dynamic, it's like so many of these talking points here is that all this stuff it's just window dressing. You're dancing around the real issue. Doc Rivers making one comment about not knowing Ben Simmons is a championship point guard, that's probably not. In insignificant factor in oh, no. being I think pissed that's a off? Definite factor, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I like, think look, it's I, it's a general like I think it's a a data point on how Ben feels like the franchise no longer has confidence in him, which by the way they shouldn't have confidence in him in the playoffs. But if you're a player, you don't want to hear that, you don't want to know that, you want a fresh start. I get I get all that.
1: Uh I don't get it though, completely. I, I get not wanting to hear it in the media, I imagine everybody in the Sixers' PR department was wincing yeah, when they heard Doc sure. say that. I, I think, like, look, it stunned it me. It still he...
0: stu- Well, because he spent the whole, you know, ha- the whole season just blowing smoke yeah. up our ass. Like, legitimately, a week and a half ago, he's like, "You guys are fucking idiots," and yep. it was just <laughs> shocking. It was shocking. It was not wrong. It shouldn't be a reason Ben wants out, but it was Weird. shocking
1: for sure. We're f- we're fucking idiots, but not but for not that for that. that. Yeah, right. Sure. But look, as much as that was. Probably, definitely the wrong thing to say at that time. What are we talking about here? He said that Simmons, I don't know if he's a championship level point guard. Doc answers, I don't know, to every single question. Yeah. Ben Simmons, before the season, made a big stink about, well, I think Doc's going to hold us accountable this year. Well, he didn't mean it in public. Yeah, sure. I don't think he meant it in private either. No, I probably not. Because we're dancing around the problem here. And if I'm not being clear about this, the thing that everybody is dancing around, nobody has been able to get through to Ben Simmons. Sure. That's the problem. He yep. hasn't gotten better. That's it. Yeah. And when you go back to the the trade
0: value part, I feel like we've ditched your five talking point strategy here, um, which we'll get back to in a second. We'll get to him. We'll get but to But when you go back to uh the the point that you brought up of um where was I going with this? Mm. Oh, but when you go back to the point where it was like, well, is it Ben's job to raise his trade value? Well, if the perspective is between now and when it's traded,
1: it's your job to get better at basketball.
0: No, it no. probably like there's mostly because there's nothing Ben can really do to increase his trade value if his goal is to get out of here before the start of the season. There's nothing Ben Simmons can really do that would really fundamentally change his trade value, but it was your job to improve. At all offensively. And quite frankly, he's gotten worse offensively, not because he's gotten worse, but because teams have figured out how to defend him, especially in the playoffs and take away strengths. And he hasn't countered that at all. So he's less effective in the half court in the playoffs than he's ever been. And that's because he hasn't grown. He hasn't addressed his fundamental weaknesses. Like you said, nobody has been able to get through to him. Yeah, this is this is really important, Ben. It's great you can defend your ass off and you can push the ball in transition and you're a great passer, and that's all great. You have to be able to score in the half court. Never gotten through, nobody.
1: Nobody. And and, and another part of this dancing around the issue, the, the need to point out that Simmons wasn't the only reason the Sixers lost to Atlanta. You're taking him off the hook when you say that. Yeah. Doc yeah. was bad. I completely agree. That was the worst coach playoff series, but the coach doesn't matter as much. And no. yeah, yeah. MB got tired at the end of the game. Yeah. Their, their backup center thing was an absolute train wreck. Yes. I agree with all of those things. Tobias was scared in the, uh, in that game five. I thought he was really bad, but why are we pretending or some of us pretending that every playoff series ends with the winning team getting a pluses across the board individually. Right. That's right. not how this works. Ben Simmons was an F against the team he should have carved up. So deflecting the blame to doc rivers. Yeah. Doc was bad. It doesn't change that. And, and that's just kind of my other reaction to this whole thing. It's just like this consistent need to dance around the truth. And the truth is that Simmons is a very good player who has not gotten any better offensively and is disappointed in the playoffs his entire career. That's just, it's a fact. Uh, That's how you get to Embiid tweeting about a WIP caller asking him to get traded. Joel, what are you doing? Blaming blaming Ben Simmons' predicament on fans, man? That's the most embarrassing, worthless take of all of this. No fan base should be okay with Ben Simmons' career, with how his career has gone. And come on, like, Joel, you're better than that. Pretending that 65-year-old Steve from South Philly calling in a late-night talk radio is a big deal to you? Like Dino from Delco saying, I want to trade Embiid and he's fat? Like, that actually matters to you? That doesn't matter to you. Usually, you would use that to kind of troll or maybe use it as your own self-motivation. Come on, man. You're the most beloved athlete in the city. Stop lying.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. US promotional offers not available in DC, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, DC, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call one 877 8 hope in Y or text hope in Y. call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, one 800 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one one two six hundred to speak to an advisor, free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball, and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic plus up to a one thousand dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Yeah, and look, was there like a, a couple of months where you might have heard stuff like that on on talk? Sure, but by and large, I think the Sixers fans, and he's acknowledges. An when he was spent his first two years out, I think Sixers fans were really great towards him. When he came on the scene, Sixers fans really embraced him. Like, he has had a really good existence, I think, in the Philadelphia landscape. And by the way, so is look, if I think there's certain segments of fans that have never opened up to Ben Simmons, and that's fair. But the atmosphere in the Wells Fargo Center, I think, has been largely supportive of Ben. Now, a couple of games there in the Atlanta series, did they like ooh and ah and gasp? Sure, we're human. But to your point about the talk radio caller, like Joel Embiid's reaction when he passed up the dunk, that's the talk radio (laughs) caller. That's the overreaction. Joel lives in that moment too. Um, So I think by and large fans have been, like you said, we're in this predicament because Ben Simmons didn't get any better and
1: blew off people who told him he had to get better. So, yeah. And I guess to, to wrap up point one, that that's my whole thing moving forward. For the sake of Ben Simmons' career, wherever he's playing, Philadelphia, very likely somewhere else fairly soon here, and just for everybody's sanity, can we not dance around these issues anymore? I mean, it's something that I mean, have dance danced around sure. these for a while,
0: well, too. Because I've always, like I, I mean, I always said, I gave him a pass at times on his offense because his defense has improved so much. Well, you, you, you can't anymore. Like, it's impacted them in too many playoff series in a row, and look- If there was the exact right team built around him, would you be able to get away with it? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure, but maybe. If they hadn't wasted so many other assets, if Markel Fultz had panned out, if you had someone like Dame Lillard alongside of Ben, would it work? Sure. But this was a number one pick in the draft who you had a lot riding on. You had a lot riding on him because you just don't have that many ways to get superstar talent, especially when you blow another number one pick the following year because a guy forgets how to shoot. So this was one the Sixers really needed to pan out. If you had championship equity, Benson was going to be crucial to that. or was somebody who in prior years had a lot more trade value and you could have traded for impact players and now you're left like, fuck man, we might be was- wasting Joel Embiid's prime because you refused to get better. So yep. yeah, yeah, it's definitely time to stop dancing around it.
1: Very good player that has played a huge part in helping this team get good over the past four years. But also... Tough to impossible to win at the highest levels, with him making max money unless something changes here. I mean, yeah. it's just it's very simple. Okay, uh, he's also by the way, I was thinking of the fans there. He's not the most popular Australian athlete in Philadelphia right
2: now. that, okay. that
1: would be the Eagles left tackle, okay. who uh, who rocks. So just want to shout out Jordan Mylata. Okay, question number two. Good because, contract for him too. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah. I. Way, you know, Eagles, I like that.
0: We're not an Eagles podcast. I like jumping on those guys early, giving them pretty big money, but not as much as he would have gotten if you let him develop for another year or two. Sure. And it was a
1: smart move. If he's good, I mean, you know, like, look, we've had some bad teams to root for in Philadelphia, some bad things to root for. You know, obviously the Sixers, as as anybody listens, knows they're not always the uh, the smoothest ride. <laughs> the le- The left tackle position in football is pretty important. Eagles have been... Yeah, pretty good. Trey Thomas, Jason Peters. And now if this guy's pretty good, that's, that would be, that's pretty cool thing to have. Okay. Question number two, do we think it would be worse if Simmons doesn't show up at all to training camp or he does? Does.
0: Well, it depends on how, I think this is probably your question number three. And by, I think this is probably, I mean, I know because we went over the questions beforehand, I think that largely depends on how he reacts if he does come back. If he comes back and he's fine and he just returns to being a normal... Like, if somebody gets through to him and says, look, we can't trade you now, but if you come back and, you know, you, you play the part, we can trade you by a deadline, and he, he he just becomes a normal teammate again and just sort of blows a over, then I think it's better if he comes back. If he comes back and he's Jimmy Butler, then I think it's better if he stays away. And obviously, there are then there's a large gap in between those
1: two, uh, which is tough to say. Yeah. Well, so I'm a little bit split on this because, I mean, on the one hand, if this thing does drag out in the season, which, look, it seems like that very well could happen. the uh, And I, I get that the idea of Simmons playing another game with the Sixers is something a lot of people don't even want to hear. But do you know the Sixers record without Simmons since 2019? It's not great. It's 15 and 15. That's not that much different than the record without Joel Embiid, 21 and 22. And I think even as Simmons was stinking up the joint offensively last season, there were times, I would say particularly early, where they had some ugly losses early on. You could notice his absence when he was out, You sure. know, whether it was the transition pushes or the driving kicks for threes or the defense, whatever. It all added up, and it showed that the team was pretty limited without him and you know darryl morey will throw out his starting lineup stats that uh by the way like him pretending that like we don't we don't see the starting lineup stats we, we know the starting lineup stats darryl. just to let you know. uh
0: look as long yeah. as he's using his his own name i will not complain about the gm being on social media
1: i'm not complaining about that. the uh so will that be the case this year i, I don't know you know like let's say they just find them and he says, fine, I, I'm just not going to play for you guys. Will they stink out of the gates? Uh, not necessarily. You know, maybe the team understands they won't be with them and they practice accordingly before the season. They'll have a real training camp to actually practice.
0: You can grow Tyrese. You probably have the most competent replacement that you've had during the era.
1: <laughs> okay. That said, you could not have been any more right about the uh, the potential pressure on that kid. Oh, yeah. As much as I'm excited about his potential, there is a very real scenario that he is the primary initiator on a team that expects to be winning at like a top four level in the East. Sure. That's a that's a shit ton to put on his plate.
0: I don't know if I would expect him to be the primary ish- initiator after the trade deadline, but certainly in the first couple of months, if Ben doesn't show up and you haven't traded him yet, then yeah, for sure.
1: For sure. Speaking of the, uh, the Maxian starters lineups, would you fancy a guess at their net rating from the past season? Well, since you're bringing it up, I'm guessing not good. No, I'll say negative three just off. It's a it's plus 200. Actually, they only played one minute together. It was a good minute, though. Uh, Thank you to Sixers Reddit for pointing that out. They played yeah, just two possessions. Got a stop on one end. And Embiid made a pull up jumper out of delay on the other end. And that's it. But that's what we mean like that. That's all they've played together. That's almost worse than having a minus three net rating in actual minutes. Well, like, even we have no idea. Yeah. Even,
0: even with that, I was guessing the minutes were going to be inconsequential. But yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So I agree with you. That's, it's a lot to, uh, to put on him. And, uh, we would see how that goes. I, I think I agree with you though. I am of the opinion, I, th- I think he'd be a bigger distraction if he's here, right? Because th- there'd be a few awkward days when he's not here. But if he's just like, you know, at some point in training camp, if he's gone, I don't want to say he would stop becoming a story, but it would stop becoming an every minute, every day type of thing, every second type of thing. But, you know, I guess if they go into the season and suck right off the bat without him, then the pressure will be turned up quite a bit. You know, we, we were talking about leverage before. And for a team who, you know, if everything was hunky dory, that shouldn't have to care about the regular season at all. The start of this year is going to be pretty interesting. Pretty, yeah. Pretty yeah, interesting. Well,
0: I do think they are, you know, you brought up the, the stats without him. I think they are better equipped to handle him not being in the lineup than they were in years past, but I don't think they're, you know, I, I think there's a chance they can be fine until the trade deadline. So I think Daryl has a little bit of um, flexibility in that regard. But you're right. Like a, you hit a losing streak early, and it could get, it could get dicey a little bit. I mean, what, what is fine? Th- the East is going to be better this year. Sure, sure. But I think they could opinion. be above 500. I think they could be in the range of a five, six seed. Okay. Which then you, if if you truly believe in your ability to get a impact player at the trade deadline with the assets you get back from Ben, then I think being a five, six seed, maybe rising up to a three, four seed, I think that's fine in theory but it does put pressure on you for sure.
1: And now that we're talking through it, I I guess you just have to go into this regular season with this circus type atmosphere and just think, man, like let's just survive.
0: Oh yeah. No, I I think there's a very low chance Ben is traded here in the next two weeks. Very low, almost non-existent.
1: Let's survive. And you know, the, the one seed probably we can kiss that goodbye already. I I would be stunned.
0: they're not. They're not. Even even if Ben came back, they're not in the ballpark of Milwaukee and Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, but they're a good regular season team. Sure, like they're closer in. the think ballpark they would be. The, I think they the would be the three seed. Yeah, that's pretty comfortable. be harder. Yeah,
0: it's going to be. One hundred percent. One hundred percent.
1: These teams like Miami and. But if you screw Atlanta up this Ben trade, your Boston. championship
0: equity over the next
1: three or four years is very low. Look, I, I agree, and and that's a point we're going to make. So I, I guess my, my third question kind of led into that. Let's say Ben Simmons does come back. Maybe not right away at training camp, but let's say, you know, he shows up maybe in between the first and second or second and third preseason game. If you do successfully call his bluff in that scenario, does he actually have the personality to be a nuisance?
0: A minor nuisance, maybe. A Jimmy Butler nuisance, I don't see at all. <laughs> I don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't think Ben has, I I think Ben is pretty secretly an introvert. I don't think he wants to be the center of attention like Jimmy Butler clearly does. I think he will be like a passive aggressive nuisance, but not like Jimmy Butler, who is aggressive, aggressive, aggressive nuisance. I don't think he will come back and torpedo his value all that much. Now, look, I'm just guessing like you and I have clearly been around him. We know. Sort of what makes him tick, but he's is a pretty closed off guy, so maybe he has a level to him that we're not anticipating. Uh, and I mean, quite frankly, we haven't seen him in a year and a half because of COVID. Maybe he's his demeanor's changed a little bit, but no, I don't. I don't think he would be too much of a nuisance.
1: I agree with you. It, the The idea of it being worse if he shows up is just his physical presence being there. And all of the a attention that would come and, from it. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and the he would get injured and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't even be him trying to be a distraction, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think, um, you know, Jimmy is the perfect comparison here because that situation is fresh in our minds and it affected the Sixers quite a bit. He'd probably be uh, more like Anthony Davis. Yeah. He might show up in a that's
0: all folks shirt and, you know, something like something stupid like that, but I don't think he's going to be outright confrontational.
1: I'm just picturing the Game of Zones app where the, the cartoon Jimmy is the huge sure. smile on his face. Great episode, obviously. Good, what's good work on that one. Uh, Gosh, gonna use it. those guys back. Yeah. Ben at his best. You're right. He doesn't talk that much. He's, he is an introvert. Jimmy was always extra. Uh, Kyle Newbeck said once, and I, I thought this was perfectly put, that Jimmy is the type of guy... Maybe you'd like him as a friend, but not as a roommate. He's just too much, you know, if yeah. you're around him at all times. I think Ben as a roommate could could be okay. You know, you'd go to your separate rooms and it would it would be better. I The other comparison I would say for Ben, and this is more of an on-court comparison than an off one, is, uh, is James Harden. Yeah. James Harden is a much better basketball player than Ben Simmons, but he showed up to camp in a fat suit last season. And he was so fundamentally just checked out and inattentive that it was a joke. Like it just completely yeah, and derailed if, the rocket season.
0: If Ben comes in and he's playing like disinterested defense like that, then he could really start being like, whoa, like what, what are, what are you doing on the court? Because like, you're not going to like most people want to get traded. They're going to go out and try to score 50. Well, I mean, Ben's not doing that. So if he's not giving you the defense and he could, he could look worse than he normally does.
1: But I think that's, that's why you would argue. I'm not sure that Simmons has the personality to do that because his his whole career, like we we could say whatever we want about him uh, in the half court in the playoffs and not getting better. But in the regular season, he plays hard. Yeah. He plays very side. consistently. And I, I just can't picture him doing that because if if he were as checked out as Harden, or even maybe Davis was, I kind of forget what those last new Orleans games were like for him. Yeah. You just wouldn't play him. He wouldn't be a useful player. You need him to be, at you know a hundred miles an hour and running up and down the floor i but i I'm not, I'm not sure I see him doing that it's just no, his agree. game is so predicated on playing hard and fast, which it, you know that's to his credit you know he he sees that so I, I'm not sure he has the personality to he he has the personality off the court to make things as uncomfortable as probably he needs to, and I'm not sure he has the playing style to do that either, so
0: i agree I agree, and that's part of the reason why I think. Daryl would be a little more comfortable calling his bluff because I think this is the leverage he has. I think the true leverage he has is to come in and make it uncomfortable. I don't think he has a personality to really make use of that leverage, so I think they're trying to use this leverage now so they don't have to get to that point. Yeah.
1: All right. Question four. There are no stars on the market right now that the Sixers would want. Beal, Levine, uh, Levine, And then Lillard being the big one. Could the Sixers, if things, maybe if they get a little bit better from the the Minnesotas, from the other bad teams of the world, could they potentially look at this as almost two transactions folded into one? I think they
0: almost have to.
1: Uh, You know, I think a lot of the teams, and I think part of that
0: is because, like you said, there aren't going to be all-star or better players on the market right now. I think part of that is because Simmons' trade value, which is at an all-time low following not only that playoff collapse, but also then the leverage. And I think part of the reason is because the teams that are, are willing to take a risk on him just don't have that many useful players to offer. Like, I think right now the league views Ben as a floor raiser. And I think that has value in part because Ben has four years left on his contract, right? Usually a team like, like Minnesota, like you're not going to sign Ben Simmons' In free agency. Like that's just not going to happen. So to be able to get a player of his caliber for four years, I think has value to bad teams. But bad teams don't have the superstar you're looking for. So I think the team right now that would be willing to take a gamble on Ben the most are the teams like Minnesota, like Sacramento, if they come in and they start off, you know, five and ten, um, like Cleveland, teams of that ilk, and they're gonna they're gonna be the teams that mostly have Either young players or draft picks or role players. I think you almost have to if you're forced to make a trade here before December, maybe even stretching it out to the trade line, But certainly at least before December, I think you have to look at it as tr- two transactions because I think otherwise you're going to end up getting mediocre return. Uh, and I think if you get mediocre return, you're really handcuffing yourself going forward.
1: Yep, the uh, that would put but that's a lot scary
0: of- is- fuck because if you if yeah, the Sixers you then start off at 10 and 12 and Joel Embiid's pissed like that's the one thing that can't happen but if you make a bad trade now maybe you don't piss Joel well off now but you piss him off in a year when you have another playoff exit and no real hope for a a, a superstar caliber running mate
1: you're also and I made this point a couple minutes ago you're I don't want to say you're sacrificing the current year but you're certainly throwing a lot more uncertainty into it if you're not you know if if you're getting back matching salary essentially and a bunch of draft picks that you hope to spin into you know one of these guards that hopefully can shake free it at this point you know this season it would be pretty goofy on on how they go about it and yeah it's uh by the way i was thinking the uh is is the floor raiser is that like the the nice way of saying the ceiling lower
0: <laughs> it's saying that you don't really know what he's going to do in the playoffs yeah really good regular season player. We're confident of that. We have no idea if you can rehabilitate him to the point where he can actually impact winning in the playoffs at a star
1: level. Yeah, I agree. I think that they probably are going to have to look at it that way. If they want to make a trade before the trade, maybe at the trade deadline, something could, can happen or, you know, I just, I, I find it hard to believe one of these guards, like their team is going to implode that much to start the year. Maybe. It's possible. I'm <laughs> sure the Sixers are uh you know, like you think they'll they'll pay special attention to Portland and Washington and, and all of these things. Sure. Have some some voodoo dolls of some sort.
0: and uh, Sacramento. I think Sacramento's underselling their chances of being bad again.
1: Oh yeah. The uh, Yeah. So I I guess we'll see about that. Speak speaking of that, did you see the uh the John Wall news from this week? I mean, sure. Be tough but, not to see that, yeah. What? Yeah. Why do they think? Like th- that seemed like that was dancing around the issue of they're they're going to work to to find a trade for him, but he's not going to take any buyout money. So, so you're saying he's going to stay in Houston, right? Right. That's, right.
0: that's what yeah. you're saying. I mean, look, you ta- attach enough first round picks to him, I guess theoretically. Sure. They're but not going to do that, though. I don't think they want to do that at all, no. And, uh, look, I've seen a lot of people bring up, well, is is that a trade partner for the Sixers? And, oh. look, John Wall, just as a baseline, he is a bad fit next to Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's a more willing shooter than Ben Simmons, but he's not a good shooter. He's not spacing the floor off the ball on Embiid post-ups. He's not terrifying anyone with his jumper coming off of a pick-and-roll. He was always the type of player Um, because he didn't develop that jumper, because he didn't take great care of his body. He always was the type of player who you worried about falling off of a cliff as he ages. Now you add in all the missed time and the accumulation of all the lower body injuries to him being 31 with a game that has really big concern of how it would age to begin with and a bad fit with Embiid, all along with being owed $91 million over two years. And hey, maybe he gets, you know, closer to his in-prime self, maybe the second year back from the injury is better than last year. Uh but that's a that's a huge risk. So so no, I would not be trading, I would not be looking to make a trade targeting John Wall. What John Wall could theoretically be is salary filler needed to complete a trade. But Houston would, you know, they'd have to give up a first-round pick or two to get off that contract and also give up a first-round pick or two for Ben Simmons, and you'd be trading for multiple firsts in the hope that you can then use those picks later on to target actual running mate for Embiid while having wall as sort of like a wild card, a lottery ticket, just in case he's able to turn back the clock on that injury. And I see some people that are like, you know, well, he averaged 20 points and seven rebounds or whatever it was last year. Uh, but it was on absolutely brutal efficiency with a ton of turnovers. He was not an impact player last year. Um, so no, I I wouldn't be banking on that. Uh, And Raphael stone, Uh, with Houston has already sort of shown that he values first round picks more than he values Ben Simmons uh, when he traded Harden to Brooklyn for their package of first rather than Simmons. So I really don't think there is a fit here.
1: But even take it farther than the Sixers, this idea of you're just going to sit him down the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think
0: Adam Silver, where are you at, bro? I think, uh, I think John Wall's going to have to have a Oh, look, I'm going to actually have to play basketball. Like This isn't going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. I
1: think he's going you to have to. You should happen. want him to play. You, it's like you said, he's a negative offensively. Who cares? Play. Yeah. Yep. Uh, All right, last question. And I think you've kind of gotten to this already, but like let's let's get it out there. How do we think the Sixers handle this moving forward?
0: I mean, I think they try to come back into camp with Simmons. I think they try to sell him on the idea that, look, if you come back, in play and get us through December, maybe January or February, we will try to accommodate you because quite frankly, it's in all of our best interest to move on, but it's just not going to happen right now. And look, I've seen some people question Pompey's reporting and other reporting around this. That meeting absolutely happened. He has told the Sixers that he wants to be moved. He has threatened not to come to camp. Could you convince him this is in your best interest? Come to camp, play, don't be a distraction and we will all benefit from it. Maybe. I think it might be a tough sell, but I think they will try to do that. I think that is the perfect outcome if you're the Sixers. I think that's what they'll try to do. Will they be successful? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And if they're not successful and he wants to stay home, then that's not the worst in the world either. Not for a little bit, at least. I think at that point, he's not staying home until February, but maybe he'll stay home until December when half the league can be traded
1: again. Maybe. Which I don't
0: think it would come. I think he'd end up playing eventually. I think he's. I think he's going to end up either playing or becoming a big enough distraction where they have to trade him. I think it's going to go into one of those two extremes.
1: Yeah, I, I think n- not unlike Norm Macdonald at the Bob Saget roast, this man is for the birds. I think you have to embrace the awkwardness here. I think yeah. you have to embrace the soap opera. And like, look, man, the Sixers last five or so years have already been ridiculous. What's what's one more <laughs> few few weeks that? You know, one could say that they never let you down when it comes to drama. And uh, what I keep coming back to is just two factors that you have touched on, but I think are important as as we kind of wrap this up. Ben Simmons has four years left on his contract. Yep. I get that he is the most powerful agent in the NBA on his side. Four years is four years. Uh, like, the, the leverage is on the Sixers' side. In, in those terms, like this is not the same as Jimmy Butler. It's not the same as Harden. It's not the same as Anthony Davis. Uh, and and the second part is the regular season is not a problem for the Ben Simmons led Sixers. If he plays, and again, I already said this, but I understand when I say if he plays, people probably have their hands over their ears. They don't, they don't want him to play. Well, again, but if you're a fan, you should want the best return for him, right?
0: Like you That's want you want to compete for a championship, so I truthfully believe if he comes back and plays, that increases your chance of competing for a champion. You should and look. I get you don't want to watch him. I get that. I get you're just sick of him and you want him off your team. I get that. But if you're really gunning for a championship, I do think coming back and playing would be the best outcome as a fan.
1: Yep, and uh, I mean it's going to be a circus. Like he's going to get booed mercilessly before the games if he plays. Like okay, we talked about the fans. In in previous years, not being the problem, they're not going to be the solution. Right. I'll, put it, I'll put it that right. way. Uh, so those two factors, though, that he has four years left on his contract, and that the need to trade him is is more realistically February than d- September. That's that's when things start to get real because his problems have been after February. That's sure when sure things uh, things get tough, I, and if there's not one of Two things on the table early on, you know, a superstar or star level talent, like the guys we mentioned that are guards, um, or a monster picks slash young player package that you think will put you in the running when one of those guys becomes available. If if that's not on the table, I I get that this could go wrong in a lot of different ways. I I think you have to try it. You're in a, you're in a compromised
0: position anyway. There's no, there's not going to be a clean solution to get you to a championship right now. Any any path you take is going to be filled with um, uncertainty and risk. And look, when we say if one of those guys become available, I don't just mean if Dame becomes available or if Bradley Beal. Certainly my mind's on that. And I think there's a... Look, Dame's all happy with Portland right now. Give him another year of, of struggles. But really the bar that you have to clear is can you get a better player at the trade deadline for your package of picks than you can get right now? That's... Even if it's not striking on the home run with Dame or Beal or Levine, can you get someone better than what you're being offered right now? I think that's probably true.
1: And I've been harping on this the whole time, you know, before before the whole whole vacation, because we've been talking about this since the season ended. I, I could see this going bad in a lot of different ways. I, I can, but when you look at it, and this is a point you have made a bunch, but but it needs to be, it really needs to be having yeah, it'll feel good for a minute taking the best trade right now. Ding dong, the witch is in Sacramento or Cleveland or something like that. <laughs> but then you're screwed with a bad return and putting right. everything on Embiid. And that is the worst situation right. that you can have. So even if it's not a guarantee that things will go great and the idea that Ben's trade value is automatically going to get better if he plays in the regular season, I get that too. I, I know that's not a guarantee.
0: No, but I think it's a pretty strong indication. Like I think that it will get better and look there's risk if he plays because of the injury or because maybe he's just the confidence issues get worse and worse and worse. But I think just getting closer to December when those trade restrictions are lifted, getting closer to the trade deadline, getting to the point where teams aren't irrationally optimistic about their their team, I think that will there's very high likelihood of raising his trade value. I do believe that.
1: No guarantee but a high likelihood. And and for that reason that, I think, is the best way to proceed. And so I, I think they're going to do that, too. Like you said, I think they're going to call his bluff. I think they're going to want him in training camp and want this big, awkward situation to happen because they don't have any other outs. And that is the best way to go about it. Now, how will he respond to that? I don't know. But that's kind of a, a pretty good overview of where we are. I think.
0: We'll find out soon. Uh, training camp starts in less than two weeks. So we will find out soon. Uh, when does preseason... I- I should probably know this since we're going to be covering it. When does preseason start? I think it's like October
1: 4th or 7th so or you, something So you don't like even that. have
0: that. You have like a week and a half of training camp, and then you're actually playing games in front of fans. So we will find out pretty darn soon. I
1: The, the thing with this story that grinds my gears a little bit too, it's because it is it is interesting. Like it is a soap opera, but it, it's just so slow. Yeah. And, and what I don't like is that I can't m- mentally move forward with this Sixers team at all, but we we have to because – it's gonna happen in a couple of weeks anyway. So, with just all the uncertainty going on, it's I don't know. But uh, yeah, that that's really the worst part about
0: it. I agree with you though. Trade them now; it might get a short-term relaxation, like a fix, like it, it. But if it's a pyrrhic victory, it's not going to be a long-term solution. I agree with you there wholeheartedly, and it is something I've thought about a lot. I remember us I talking about it earlier in the off-season. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about pretty much nonstop because it is, it is risky. It sounds ridiculous to either keep him on the roster or maybe target a a package, trade package
1: of picks. But I think it is the right call. What one last thought on it. We we talked about, uh, needing to get out of his comfort zone for a while, man, the, the preseason regular season, whenever he comes out and he's just getting booed mercilessly in Philadelphia, Look, I, I think in some ways you could say it might be the best thing for him, just because, hey man, you gotta you um, gotta step up to the plate. Like this is, you, you can't just be this certain level of player anymore. But he, uh, man, this this could be quite a. Uh, there's gonna be some media attention and some yeah, special yeah. attention. Yeah. and like you said,
0: situation. this is a, a point of the year where there's not a whole lot going on. This is the biggest story. It's the biggest story in Philadelphia in the last two years because you had so much riding on him and either him working out or the trade value to get something back that would work out. And also because there's just not a lot going around league wide. Um, so this is, there'll be a lot of ESPN crew over here in Philadelphia for training camp in a couple of weeks, for sure. For sure. It's the biggest thing going on. All right. That and the Charles Bassey contract. Those are the, the the two big
1: things. We buried the lead. (laughs) You you did some reporting on, on Mr. Chuck Bassey this week, the new, KJ McDaniels. <laughs> yeah. By yeah. the way, do you know where uh, KJ McDaniels is playing now? I looked this up. No idea. He's
2: playing Russia? for the
1: Huh? Russia? That's my guess. No. He's playing for the Formosa Taishan Dreamers. Okay. Of the P dot League Plus. You don't know where that is? No. I didn't know where that is. I had to click on the Wikipedia. He's playing in Taiwan. <laughs> okay. Right now. Okay. So that's uh, that's where he's at right now. But he, got a, it, it he is... got a
0: pretty good second contract, didn't he? Wasn't his second deal like two years, six million or something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember he got traded. It
0: was Houston, wasn't it? Who gave him yeah. that contract?
1: Yeah, he did get traded to Houston. Um,
0: but yeah, so the you know the Sixers obviously bought that 53rd pick in the draft for $2 million. They used it to select Charles Bassey, big man, defensive-minded, who they have not yet signed. Uh, and it's just come down to contract negotiations. Bassey had a deal on the table if he went undrafted, which would have guaranteed him two years. Uh, The Sixers have only been willing to guarantee one year. Neither side has really moved off of that at all. And they're at an impasse. And I think Charles Bassey is sort of betting on himself a little bit. I think that might be a little bit risky because quite frankly, if the Sixers do make a trade here early on in the season, they're probably pretty likely to get more players back than they send out. So that guaranteed one year no guarantee he's going to get it. He could be a, a roster casualty if they do make a Ben Simmons trade. Uh, I think they believe he has more leverage than he has. You know, I think most players drafted in the fifties end up on two way contracts. Look, does it suck that you had a two year guarantee if you went to draft and you didn't go undrafted? Yeah, it does. But at this point, I, I think he's got to take the biggest guarantee he will get right now. Um, we'll see we'll see if it happens i think most most people believe that he will not uh he will sign that one year required tender and what the required tender is real quick uh and most of the reporting and my reporting as well says that he's likely to sign that it's a one year non guaranteed contract that teams have to have on the table in order to retain a second round picks draft rights um so it's not like they have come to an agreement on this one year contract it is The required, it's why it's called the required tender, they are required to have that offer on the table in order to retain his draft rights. Good on him for having that kind of confidence in himself. He has been at the Sixers training facility for the last couple of weeks working out uh, during their informal workouts. He's looked good, but that's a risk, I think, giving up that guaranteed money. We'll see. We'll see.
2: I I hope he
0: signs
1: it. It feels like a early process story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, because look, I mean, we would both like to see B ball, Paul, as a backup five, obviously Andre Drummond is going to get minutes. It's not like there's no competition there for him.
1: Um, maybe that's what they're banking on. That doc's not playing B ball, Paul. you kidding me? Give me a, give me a real big man out there.
0: I think, I think there's a chance that, that doc would trust Charles Bassey more than B ball. Paul. Oh yeah. I'm not kidding. No. Uh, certainly defensively, I think there's... A, and offensively, too. Um, I think there's real concern within the sixth organization that people at Paul will try to play a bigger role than uh, than they would want him to play. We'll see. We'll see. All right, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. Anything else? This ended up being a much longer podcast than I thought because there was a lot to... I, I'd forgotten so much had happened since we did our last podcast. There was a lot to discuss regarding Ben Simmons.
1: I just feel bad that we buried the lead with Bassey, so... <laughs>
0: Big news. Big news. All right. Uh, Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon.
1: See you, man.